0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Chance
1: for WDD, yes! His comments! Derby in! Hello, it's us again. Seasons greetings to you all. You are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing the Independent Derby County podcast for our one hundredth episode. Yeah, it's a big moment for us, despite the bizarre circumstances we currently find ourselves in. And uh, joining me, Chris Parsons, are two other Rams fans who are used to being left in tears. It's Richard Kutcher. You're right. Good afternoon, Chris. Let's not dwell too much about our personal lives right now because it is bleak, um, but we'll <laughs> keep things bothered. Tom Martin here as well. Glad tidings to you.
2: Glad tidings as well. And currently enjoying a lovely Rock Python German Pilsner from our friends at Derby Brewing Company. Very, very crisp drinking for a Sunday afternoon while we record.
1: You can't say fairer than that. That's uh, a small chink of light on this otherwise pretty bad weekend. But anyway, finally, finally it looks like Derby might be edging towards turning a corner as six games unbeaten means Rooney's Rams revival has put us on the cusp of climbing out of that championship bottom three. Only for that momentum to have the brakes put on when our trip to Rotherham was called off due to a COVID case within their first team squad. It's all very 2020, isn't it really? Uh, But before we get onto that postponement, a few listener questions as we hit a century The obligatory quiz, of course, and one or two surprises. Uh, Don't forget that Steve Blum is washing is partnered for the season with our friends at Derby Brewing Company, as Tom mentioned, Derby's original craft brewer, and they could certainly do with your help and support in these times as usual. But lads, it's uh, starting to to look up a little bit, isn't it? Four clean sheets on the spin for Derby. The first time we've done that in nearly three years. We are scoring goals, not many but some and we are competing with the best teams in this division and we're looking like we might be able to get out of this coach and in, in the words of that famous charity christmas single it's christmas time there's no need to be afraid of relegation
0: <laughs> yeah no there isn't uh well there is i guess but um no it is looking a lot better i think we, we all said that the squad the squad on paper was good enough to get out of it. They just needed to find some consistency and a system that works for them. And that's exactly what Wayne Rooney and the coaching staff have done over the last two to three weeks is they have you know, gone back to basics, as we all know, as they've been kept saying, and they've slowly built on that. Now obviously, um, they only scored two goals for the first time this season in a match against Swansea, but fully deserved two goals. Uh could have been more in that match. I felt like that was the match where it kind of all started to really come together in terms of what this team could do going forward as well. Like there's still there's still work to be done. We're still in the relegation zone. There's no um you can't be complacent um there's still a long tough season busy schedule ahead but look we're going in the right direction and you can now look at that I think you can look at that relatively confidently and say we should be better than three other teams in this division
2: yeah I agree with what you say I'd find it hard to think that we're being complacent um based on the fact we're still in the bottom three and I really hope that wouldn't be the case that we think it is this job's already done um there's bound to be some dips in the road. It's Derby County after all. So, of course, we're going to have some challenges at some point and it's going to be dark times on the football pitch once more, I'm sure. But, as you say, that performance against Swansea City uh, in the week was absolutely fantastic. It's one of the best performances I've seen from a Derby side uh, for, for quite a long time. So, really pleasing to see many, many green shoots of recovery uh, from this Derby side. There's lots of players we can mention, I'm sure we'll come on to uh, later on. But I'll mention Chris, Christian Bielik, who deservedly picked up Man of the Match uh, on Wednesday night, I thought just thought he was fantastic. So, yeah, we're moving in the right direction, but there's still plenty of work to do, uh, as you say there, Kutch.
1: I mean, a postponement against Rotherham, annoying for a number of reasons, but mainly because we did have a bit of momentum going into it. Six unbeaten, uh, just had that fantastic team performance against Swansea just days before. I guess in the short term, there's a lot of anger about it, especially as the fact that it we were all notified what, about an hour and a half before kickoff, half an hour before the teams are due to come out. And it is more fixture congestion in a season where we're, by my reckoning, already cramming what, a ten month season into what, eight and a half, eight, eight and a half months, something right, something like that. could it have been announced sooner? Uh, or would that have even made any difference? I guess the fact is, given what happened against Cardiff a couple of years back, we're not really in a position to, <laughs> to get on a high horse about last minute postponements to games
0: yeah obviously it's frustrating um could it have been announced sooner maybe only, only rotherham themselves will know that i think i think kind of the right decision was obviously come to i think it would, it would be much worse if they had gone ahead with the match then found out afterwards that a couple of other players uh were positive or tested positive slightly after the match because there was, there was one i think positive test uh, came back before the match uh, and there was a couple of other players showing symptoms so that was the right thing to do if they'd gone ahead and played the game in fear of being in trouble and then found out there was more cases and some of those players were playing then Derby would have been in more in more trouble because they probably would have had to have uh, closed the training ground downs you know quarantined maybe even have the boxing day fixture postponed I'm not exactly sure what would have happened but it probably would have been worse than what did happen um, I think it's right that club's can make a late call because if clubs were penalized for a late call then they might take more risks and then you have the situation that i just outlined so i think look it's not it's not ideal there's no easy solution to this i think ultimately the right decision was made i think the efl said they will be investigating the kind of circumstances around it i wouldn't expect anything to really come of that uh there is a crowded fixture schedule, but Derby's probably got one of the larger squads that is able to deal with this. Um, so I, I'm not too worried. It was a bit frustrating yesterday to not have that match where at the moment there's so few highlights in our lives. Watching Derby can be, not always, but can be a highlight. So I get people's frustration, but, you know, let's move on, take the positives to get a rest and go again on Boxing Day.
1: What would you both do instead? I was a bit of a loss, to be honest. I, I, I've always sort of penciled in like three hours, <laughs> two till five.
0: Well, I was actually on my way round to pick up some uh, posts and stuff from, from Tom, uh, socially distanced of course, uh, I didn't stay for long, um, so I was kind of like just finding out from Five Live as I was driving round and then just came home and, and then and then watched Boris to cheer me up even further, that was about the extent of my Saturday.
2: Really horribly, you're going to be the last person i see in the flesh for at least another couple of weeks, possibly the two... 2020 catch so <laughs> pretty pretty shocking end to the year perhaps um yeah i obviously spoke to Kutch and then he disappeared and um cracked a beer open and then sat and chatted to my 93 year old grandma on zoom for a good 45 minutes to have a bit of entertainment whilst she watched watched boris and obviously very disappointing news but understandable i guess that these restrictions have to come in place if if this virus is as sort of contagious as it supposedly is with this new uh new variant
1: of it so yeah, it wasn't great, was it? But hey, at least Bill Belly won strictly. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Swansea then, that, uh, as Coach mentioned, the first time Derby have scored two goals this season, which is itself a great monkey to get off our backs. We were something of a, a binary football club until then, weren't we? Either ones or zeros for the entire first 15, 16, 17 games. We were, gonna, we're just going to look at this one in terms of who impressed you most, really, because we did... Outplay a promotion chasing team from start to finish. No one really had a bad game. Solid at the back. Took our chances really well. Going forward, probably could have been more. But coach, you first. Who 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 were you most pleased for, and who whose performances stood out individually for you against Swansea? Because it was clearly our best display probably since Stoke at home under Koku, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll take Benik as red because I think he's just so obvious. Um, But i'd say you know someone that i don't give a lot of credit to often i think is matt clark i think matt clark's return to form has been very obvious in the last few games i think he's benefiting from having a kind of not entirely settled but more settled back four and a more settled system in front of him as well i thought he was absolutely superb against swansea i'd say that as possibly his best performance in a derby county shirt he was making interceptions he was making the right decisions in terms of his in terms of his positioning he was playing at the right moments and hitting it long at the right moments he has got a good passing range and when he makes the right decisions at the right time that passing range can be very very useful and i just thought he was looks a lot more comfortable with a lot more mature performance and you know long may that continue because that will be a, a huge bonus to this side if we can have a, a very very solid consistent centre-back
2: yeah, I really agree with that one, Kutch. I think um, I think I said a few pods ago that Matt Clark needs to cut out those basic errors for him to be a, a, a real top quality centre half, and he's doing that at the moment, and that's why we're not conceding goals. I think he he was outstanding. Um, I also thought Yuzviak was incredibly effective coming in off the uh, the right flank and also off the left flank at times when we kept interchanging. Um, the way he took his goal was fantastic, like the the touch from Waghorn's layoff which wasn't for me the best layoff but the touch was just sublime it just um, so many players would have fallen over their feet because it was pinged back at him takes it on his right foot and then absolutely hammers that ball uh, past the keeper on his left a, a brilliant brilliant bit of technique there and um, the second my second man of the matches we mentioned Belic, uh, and as I said taken as red because he was so good Jason Knight I, he's just a new lease of life. Like We really like Jason Knight, lots of energy, reminiscent of a Craig Bryson, uh, 2013-14 kind of energy, uh, central midfielder. But I just thought the runs he was making, really intelligent in in behind, uh, up on the blind side of people and like getting in behind. And the cross that he put in, although it was deflected, um, that led to the goal. And you, you wouldn't have seen Jason Knight in that position I don't know, probably in September, October time. We just weren't seeing him getting forward as much. So really impressed with Jason Knight at the moment. And for me, him and Bielek are the first two names that I want to put in that midfield and probably in that team sheet.
1: Yeah, someone flagged on Twitter, I really should have written down a name before I, I did this, but there's a great tactical thread about the effectiveness of Jason Knight and how he's really good at making those blindside runs off of, in attacking positions, off of other midfielders, like around the corner into space, through the lines, you look at him and you look at his game, and he is to, to the untrained eye just a, a young player who just runs around loads. But there's there, there is a bit more nuance to his game than I think you give him credit for, and I think some of that comes from him, and some of that comes from his coaching. But he's really added different dimensions to his game, coach. And the fact is, he is he's got an incredible engine, and he's got that that really good skill that he, that's quite hard to teach of popping up. In, good, in really threatening spaces to, to score goals. So it's quite interesting that of all the youngsters who have come in and out of the team, like Whittaker, Sibley, Bird, Buchanan, Bogle, Lowe, Knight, we sold Bogle and, and Lowe, of course, but Knight is the one who is not looking like he's going anywhere from that first team right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and he shouldn't be uh, going anywhere from that first team. He had, probably has been the most consistent performer almost this season, you could say. I think he's he's wasted out wide. Whenever, obviously, he can do a job out wide, but he's wasted there. I really do see the best of him when he's playing in the middle because his energy is much more effective. Um, he can kind of do that. He can kind of break lines and carry the ball from deep. He's, you know In that run where we were still had Philip Cocker in charge, the amount of free kicks that he kept winning on the edge of the box for us to put in. Uh, kept us afloat almost he has got more technical ability as you say than I think uh, some people give him credit for because it's it's easy to compare him to Max Bird or or Louis Sibley who are more obviously uh, technically gifted players and Jason Knight has all that energy which maybe they don't have or don't show as much but he is actually very good technically of course he hit the post against Swansea with an absolutely fantastic uh, Thunderbastard from outside the box Uh, so I think there's plenty more to come from him I said at the start of season or in our season review from last season that I would put him in the bracket of of should be expecting to get 10 goals uh, this season for us. And now, obviously, us as a team have scored so few. I think he's only got one so far this season. But I'd expect that in the second half of the season, if he keeps playing in that in three that in midfield, we should be looking to him to to chip in with uh, five or six goals in that second half of the season.
1: Yeah, well, really valid points there. Another name I'm going to bring in for the second pod in a row is Big CKR, Big Colin... Kazim Richards, um, fantastic again against Swansea, two goals now, which I think does uh, <laughs> mirror his goal tally for about four of the other clubs that he's played for in his career. But that's not to do him down because he's been great. And we have to say again, we were wrong about Colin Kazim Richards. We were tossing the ball up to him all the time for Swansea. And even if he didn't win it, always, he all the time, he always made it hard. He always gave the centre-back something to think about He always chased lost causes. I just, you know, if he chucks a bowling ball at this guy, he'd still win a flick on, you know, he's just willing to put his body on the line and and win everything in the air. So that was fantastic. And there's been a lot of comparisons made with this guy to Chris Martin because he effectively is the player that he was meant to replace. But I feel in some ways, CKR is is more effective than than Martin really. Because if you think about it, Martin was always just like a bit of a, you know, like a, a lone sort of target man or like he wasn't that much of a team player, really, was he? He, he was good in uh, ability and technical wise in terms of bringing other players in, but you didn't see him do the sort of stuff that CKR does in chasing lost causes, winning balls, shouldering centre-backs out of the way to battle for balls down by the down by the touchline, g on the rest of the team when he goes off a sub, like, you know, when a, a 50-50 is lost, and he sort of squares up to the opposition player when Jason Knight gets fouled. Like I, I just feel that he's a little bit of a, be- a, a better team player, really. And he's the ex- and he's the exact sort of person that we need in our current situation. Look, he's not going to go on to score seventy four or whatever it was goals for Derby County like Chris Martin did, and Chris Martin is does have a lot of things that CKR doesn't, but. I'm just saying that that he has got some attributes that have gone, you know, have gone by on the quiet, and that we don't really appreciate as much as we should. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I would say um, I would say that he's been really impressive. I wouldn't go as far as saying that you can compare him to Chris Martin the way you uh, mentioned there, sort of bodying uh, defenders out the way. I would refer, refer you to Sheffield Wednesday last year when he absolutely cleaned out one of the uh, Wednesday players from the kickoff. Martin was a, a niggly, aggressive sort of person. In that way, and he would always get get I don't know tread on people's toes and do do that. Whereas, I think Ckr was a little bit more like big and obvious about it because he uses his size so so much. And I I think there are comparisons in terms of how uh, what they do, but there are also massive differences. I haven't quite taken down my Chris Martin poster yet, but I do have a little passport picture of Ckr next to my bed just to think. What a wonderful, wonderful acquisition he's been, considering like how down we were about about the signing of him. And he's been an absolute inspiration to us. Like the leadership that he shows on and off the field is is the is one of the reasons why I think we have been have had sorry, such a resurgence in the last few weeks. So absolute credit to him. Long may it continue. As you say, he may not score seventy four goals for us, but um, if he scores two or three more, I'm going to be delighted with the uh, contribution that he has this season. Uh, and I'm sure that he will have a bigger impact than just two or three more goals this year.
1: I did put out a uh, a tweet which had an amazing response, just saying, "If Chris Martin is the wardrobe, what does that make Colin Kazim Richards?" James Allen said the fridge, Sam Bunt said the Undertaker, Kai Smith said the shed, Daniel Warren said the mansion, uh, James Hudson said the fitted kitchen. Um, <laughs> what else we got here? Someone I can't find him on my Twitter, but someone said he's the ottoman, which as Anton pointing out to me is a nod to his Turkish heritage. He does win that thread, to be honest. But Kutch, what have you made of his contribution?
0: Well, I had him down as an extender table Um, because, you know, he's just so big and he can extend himself in the air. Um, He's been fantastic. I I would disagree with you, Chris. I'm not putting him anywhere near the same bracket as Chris Martin. I I appreciate that. I don't think you're directly comparing it to his his full Derby County contribution. Uh, But in terms of what we need right now, I think he's probably exactly what we need right now. You know, so many successful teams in the championship, whether they play free-flown football or more direct football, do have some kind of Presence or target man up front in this division, and and he's fulfilling that role. And you know, God forbid, along with Bielik if he got injured, uh, and we weren't able to replace him, it would be a huge loss because no one can do, no one else in that squad can do a job that Colin Kazim Richards is currently doing. Uh, I thought Martin Wagon, just to chuck another one in there from our previous conversation, was was fantastic as well, and particularly in that first half against Swansea, really added something from that right hand side, uh, getting much closer to Colin Kazim Richards, but he couldn't do the job that CKR is currently doing uh, up front. So he, he, he should be a mainstay of this team. You know, let's hope that the contribution and impact does continue uh, into the second half of the season. And, uh, you know, he, he can really drag what is quite an inexperienced young team around him uh, through this uh, relegation battle.
1: Yeah, you talked about uh, Christian Bielik there and you're absolutely right to point out that without those two, you do wonder what would happen to this team. But Bielik against Swansea, just an absolute joy to watch wasn't he he was uh he was playing Roll, rolls royce stuff at times um in the week the, the little flick over casey palmer <laughs> lovely touch did it in a bit of a dangerous dangerous position as some people are pointing out but obviously backs his ability enough to um to, to pull it off so yeah he was um according to sky he won more tackles one possession more on one more individual duels are they all sort of the same thing i think but anyway than anyone else um and i think we're really starting to see the player that we shelled out all that money for now um, and we said a couple of pods ago that i i thought personally that the best midfield mix is Belic, knight and bird but i think i was wrong again on that really Belic, knight and shinny does just seem a little bit more balanced even if shinny doesn't quite have the same uh, technical ball playing skills was Max Bird, but having said that, I was, as I said on Twitter, I was, I was quite surprised with um, with Shini's ability on the ball against Swansea. I thought he, um, he he used the ball pretty well.
0: Yeah, again, a, a bit like uh, Colin richard Richards, been absolutely suited to what we need right now. I'd say the same thing about that midfield free. I think you need to have that pure energy and kind of in your face style that Shinny and Knight both bring and Knight adds some quality to that and as I said Shinny's no mug either with the ball at his feet a little bit more limited uh, I'd say than Max Bird but he's perfectly capable of picking out passes both forwards uh, and to the side I think while we're still in this position I think that's the midfield to stick with I'm still sure I'm sure Wayne Rooney is a fan of Max Bird uh, he knows all about him from playing alongside him so much last season I'm sure that they ultimately want to get Max Bird into that that midfield free and if you did bring Bird in for Shinny, you know later on in the year probably after January or February then Knight maybe there'd be more onus on Knight's energy to kind of cover some of the ground that Shinny also covers. Um so I do think eventually if you want to be a competing top half team and ultimately competing for the playoffs uh you know next season I imagine Max Bird needs to get into that team because he does bring so much more um quality on the ball in, in, in attacking positions that than Shitty will. But for now, Shiny absolutely is I think needs to stay in that team while we're battling for every single point we can get.
1: Farm it's um six games now unbeaten under the interim management of, uh, of Rooney uh, although I think we do have to bear in mind that the first two were games that we probably should have won and one or two of them were with that four-way um, interim manager system of Rooney, Resenia, Walker and, uh, and Shay Given. Do you think it's now Rooney's job to lose in terms of the uh, full-time Derby gig? I know that The ownership takeover is still rumbling on, apparently still happening at some point this month in December. But Rooney has been asked about it. And this also came up in a a listener question that we got from uh, Tom Newton. He said, Rooney should be the manager as long as we have McLaren to guide him. If the points accumulate, give him a two-year contract. Rooney was asked about this himself, uh, as he obviously would be. And he he did give a quote that I didn't didn't, sit entirely comfortably with me he did say you know I've been captain for my club and country so I know how to get the best out of players which is all well and good but let's not forget Wazza that you were also club captain on the pitch when we were awful this season and at the back end of last season when we basically phoned it in and lost like five six games in a row so I'm not entirely sure that was a reason to give it him necessarily but what do you reckon Tom that one of the big favourites in uh, Sam Allardyce has now found work elsewhere, of course. There aren't really many other names putting their hats into the ring. So is it now Wazza's job to lose to the end of the season?
2: Maybe to the end of the season, yes. But um, I don't see that as a long-term real appointment. I think we've we've tried the former player element in Frank Lampard and that, that worked to some extent with the help of the loan signings that we had of Wilson and Mount and Tamori. And then they disappeared. And I just don't think, Derby needs some stability and it was one of the arguments that I was talking about as to why maybe we should keep Koku and I'm happy to hold my hands up and say that would have quite possibly be been the wrong uh, shout now sort of seven, eight games down the line. So I don't necessarily think Rooney is the right choice still. I still think there's question marks over it. We've, we've played Swansea and obviously outplayed them and they're they're a good side but the rest of the sides that we have been playing and, and as you say Chris there Rooney's been involved in that they have been seems that really they should have been beating um, Wickham and Coventry in particular at home uh, frustratingly, not uh, not holding on for that for those the three points in those two games. So he's done a good job, and he's done a good job as interim manager. I'm more than happy for him to keep that role until takeover stuff is settled or or whatever is happening with the behind the scenes stuff. But I do think Derby needs something uh, and somebody who is going to has the qualifications. He still needs the coaching badges, and he won't be able to get those. I understand because they're not currently running the coaching. Uh, badges courses at the moment due to the pandemic so we need someone who's who's qualified and I think we also need someone who's experienced to try and oversee these young players and s- see them through to achieve the potential that they can do so for me no it would be the would be my answer
1: coach let's not forget it's all very well that Rooney has improved the performances since Kaku left but you can slip into bad runs of form as easily as you can work your way into good runs of form and it was only earlier this year that, that Koku won five games in a row and was being heralded as the, you know, the saviour, the long term answer, this, that and the other. So I'm sort of with Tom on this. I just don't think we should get too carried away. And you've also got to consider how much of an influence Steve McLaren's having on this setup at the moment. Is it basically a sort of, a, you know, a, a Steam McLaren tactical setup with Rooney being the mouthpiece and the middleman to the the players because you look at some of the things we're doing, going back to a shape that's more like a 4-3-3, little third man runs all over the place, just the little hallmarks of more of a McLaren team, more attacking impetus, you'd have to say that a lot of the success we're having under Rooney is, you've got to say, probably also coming from McLaren's influence as well.
0: Yeah, I've got really mixed feelings about all of this, about the whole Rooney conversation and and the McLaren part, which I'll come on to in a second. I i don't totally disagree with with, with either of you. Um, I think I'm probably going to give Rooney a bit more credit than than you guys. Yeah, he's said. I think he's. I think the game being postponed yesterday has possibly denied him the chance for that final kind of opportunity to submit his position. If we'd kind of gone to Rotherham, performed well and won. Uh, I think it would have been very hard not to give it to him to the end of the season. And, and I agree with Tom. I think the maximum we should be giving him at this moment is the end of the season. Um, and, and I would kind of go along with that. Regarding McLaren, look, his his influence is, is without doubt. He is obviously in quite close contact with the coaching staff. Whether or not how much close contact he's having with the team directly, I think, is less clear. And I think if he was actually on the training ground involved, we would have heard all about that. I don't think that's going on. But... You know what I do like about Wayne Rooney so far is he is learning from his mistakes now I agree completely we 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 have missed opportunities in those early games against Coventry City and Wickham, which we should have been winning, and he'd made mistakes particularly in his substitutions and timing of those substitutions during that match but he has learned from that he has seen he does appear to be learning from his mistakes which is a great sign for a manager he's not stubborn he's not stuck to a particular philosophy which i think is a good sign i hate the fact i hate this idea that managers have one philosophy and they must stick to it no matter what i think that's i think that's horrendous also what was really interesting was andy hinchcliffe's comment during the swansea city game on sky sports he said that he's i think it was from rooney himself or from someone else at the club he'd heard that rooney's quite keen to be a manager figure rather than a coach he's letting rasenia walker and given do the coaching that puts into place the way that wayne Rooney really wants to play and that that does kind of sound like of course rooney will be discussing that stuff with steve mclaren and then it's up to rasenia walker and given to implement it on the pitch so look it's a bit confusing as to who's really in charge but i i don't have any doubt that the players do respect wayne rooney and are playing for him you can see that in the recent performances i would give it him to the end of the season i'd want steve mclaren to stick around because whatever the situation is it's currently working so just don't muck about with it um and then it needs to be reviewed. But, you know, if you give him to the end of the season, he gives, he, you get a chance then to get a bit more idea of how he reacts when the team does badly. You know, Steve McLaren's biggest failure at Derby over the years has been not being able to turn around a sinking ship when things go wrong. And that's another huge test of a manager. And we'll find that, that out about Wayne Rooney at some point uh, later on the season, I imagine, if he has a chance.
1: Well, we'll have more in a second on this uh, 100th episode of Steve Bloomers, Washington the Independent Derby County Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe If you want to get the latest episodes sent straight to your device, starting from 101 onwards, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, I'm Paolo Wenchop and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing.
1: Our friends at Derby Brewing Company can bring the pub to you this Christmas with their home beer delivery service. Their ready to drink beer is sold in nine pint, eighteen pints, thirty-six, or even seventy-two pint containers to suit your size. Their ready to drink beer is sold in a reusable container, and they have also have a selection of bottles, gift packs, and glasses for those last minute present ideas. Minimum order is £20 plus delivery, and you can find out more at derbybrewing.co.uk.
2: This could be Derby's last chance of
1: an equaliser. Four pockets for them with the cross. Jones stretches and it's in! What a- finish. Mikel Beck, in the dying seconds of stoppage time, has given Derby a point, and there's the final whistle. It's all. over. All right then. Well, that's I think that's enough sensible discussion for now. As we've said a couple of times, it's uh it's the hundredth episode of the pod, chaps. We uh, Tom, you couldn't. Uh, one of you couldn't quite remember when we actually started this i don't know if that reflects well or badly but yeah we've hit a century uh, i'm i'm really pleased we've done it actually when i started this i had no idea how long it would last for um if we'd get this far but i think it's credit to us uh, that we've that we have and credit to derby for giving us enough ammunition and ridiculous stuff to talk about but in the in the 3 or 4 years we've done it um the the phrase the derby way has been coined quite a few things that have happened have been described as peak derby county whether it's on field capitulations off field controversies uh but kutch over the hundred episodes that we've done for you what's what's been the biggest peak derby county moment that you think we've had in our uh in our podcast history
0: yeah there's quite a few uh, I'll stick to relatively on the pitch matters uh for this one I think I think uh regarding the podcast and Derby County I think the 4-0 away defeat to Aston Villa we've mentioned a few times uh we kind of we actually organized quite a big family day out wasn't it in the end because Tom quite a bit of Tom's uh family uncle and dad came as well and we all get went up there looking forward to the match got absolutely roasted 4-0 and then had to come and record a pod back at the house uh with all of being quite depressed uh in the ramshack afterwards so that that was pretty peak and it kind of sums up i think uh, a lot the last three or four years and also i'd say our away trip to hull last season uh the, my main takeaway from the away trip to hull other than losing another game was it three 0? was tom trying to plug a leak in the train window while we we're trying to stream <laughs> yeah. england versus England versus your Blacks in the World Cup semi-final. So th- those kind of yeah, two pretty epic defeats and uh, dispiriting journeys accompanying them would probably be my uh, peak Derby County moment. And that was on my
1: birthday, just a really tipping. Oh yeah,
0: happy birthday!
1: Yeah, we. Uh, I, I want to point out at this point that we, we we've we've met a really cool community of of people uh, through through doing this podcast, like people who have supported us since the first episode, um, amongst the fan base and the local media and the national media all sorts of people. And what I'm about to play you both, some would say is incredibly self-indulgent, but I found a couple of those people and they sent us little messages just to congratulate us on reaching this milestone. So yeah, look, it is incredibly self-indulgent, but this podcast takes up an enormous amount of my time and I don't care (laughs) if it's happening. So anyway, this is the first of those messages. Chris, Rich, Tom, Anton, hello. It's Chris Coles here from BBC Radio Derby. Just want to say a massive congratulations on reaching 100 Steve Bloomer's Washing Podcasts. Terrific achievement. Uh, I imagine 98 and a half of them probably filled with controversy, drama, scandal, all the rest of it, such as life following Derby County Football Club. But a terrific achievement. Probably best to, to call it a halt though, right? I mean, you're making the rest of us look bad. (laughs) <laughs> now, well done again and look forward to listening to many more. Merry Christmas.
0: Yeah, fantastic stuff. That's really nice from Chris. And uh, it's always nice to uh, get a few of us to be on to uh, the BBC Derby uh, sports team program and done their podcast with them as well. And it's always a pleasure to do that. And uh, yeah, really, really nice to hear from uh, a professional such as uh, Chris Coles.
1: Yeah, so we had a few uh, because the Rotherham game got postponed. I just tweeted out, look, anything you want to ask us about Derby? football or life in general. Um, A a, a decent amount of questions come in. We're not going to be able to answer all of them, uh, for which I do apologise. Sorry if we don't get to yours, but one of them was, who's the best guest we've had on the pod? And also, who is Derby's worst player of the last decade? I I can take the guest one because uh, I've I've done a fair amount of those. You've all been with me for the interviews we've done, all that sort of thing, for, for a lot of them. I thought... My first thought was that uh, Malcolm Christie was great. I thought he was great value. He was just—he was really candid, wasn't he? There was a lot of stuff that he told us there about his his life and um, the ups and downs that he's had. It almost felt like it was verging on like a therapy session towards the end. He was—he um, was just incredibly willing with with information and uh, and, and a great talker. Uh, uh, Daryl Powell was great as well. He was like the first player we ever chatted to. I remember I managed to get his number. Met him at a David Lloyd fitness centre next to Pride Park, bought him a coffee, and we sat in a little room to the side next to a squash court, and uh, and we had a chat. And he was he was he was really insightful. Like I, I don't know what I was really expecting with Daryl Powell, but he was really articulate. Had loads of great stories about um about the the Jim Smith team in the late nineties. So that was fantastic. Only downside was that I realised in the edit afterwards that he was chewing gum incredibly loudly, which came across in the podcast and a few people noticed, but you know, what can you do? It was it was it was a learning experience. Who else was good? Paul pesky Salido, he was really good, I thought. He was one that I did on my own. Fantastic guy, so friendly, uh, really forthcoming. Because we all live in London, actually went to his house or the house he lived in at the time with his wife, Karen Brady. A uh, use of facilities in his house. Had a wee in Karen Brady's bathroom. That was that. That was great. They've got the instead of one big towel, they had those little tiny. Uh, had a little pyramid of tiny hotel towels in the bathroom. I think that's that's when you know that like it's a classy place. That was good. Not at least, not just because of his really nice house and bathroom, but he was just a really nice guy. And um, we've got to mention Bryso, haven't we? Really, like Craig Bryson, like genuine Derby County club legend. He was uh, really willing gave us so much of his time was really honest and 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 down to worth. so he was he was great as well any stand out for you boys
2: i'd say uh really really enjoyed meeting Paolo Wanchop in uh, like a small office space in clapham a couple of a couple of years ago it was just fantastic to meet someone who was like so chilled and relaxed and, and just like yeah just nice to re- regale some stories from like teenage years of like the great memories of a, a brilliant derby side the ones that you've mentioned there, Chris, are, are fantastic. Bryson, are definitely my personal favourite. Um, I remember we actually spoke to Pesti Salido before the Fulham playoff game, and he was standing on the golf course um, again, giving up his time for us. It's just just great that he, they do that. Mentioned to Curtis Davis and obviously Steve McLaren currently at the club for the conversations we've had with them. Yeah, just just brilliant to to get to speak to these people, and and something I would never never would have ordinarily done. So, cheers for that, Chris, for organising it all.
1: No, no problem. One shot was great, don't get me wrong, but we did have to explain to him what a podcast is, didn't we? That was, that was, that wasn't ideal. And we also, how many takes did it take him to say, I'm Pala One Shop, you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing? It's about seven, something like that?
2: More takes than it takes Kutch normally to answer a question in a quiz. So that was hard work.
1: <laughs> I think his son had to read out to him in the end, didn't he? But uh, that was, yeah, that was really fun. There was another question that we had. Who have you tried to interview who has eluded you so far, there's probably the list for these players is probably li- longer than the list of players we have interviewed. I think I've, uh, when we spoke to Ryan Hills, who wrote Pride, he gave us some context that it can be really hard to track down players. Steve Howard, I tried to get hold of him, I did have his number, but he uh, he ghosted me, just stopped returning my calls. That was quite annoying. Idi Arquez, I was really up for, I tried him as well, tried to get him through the Luton press office, but he just said no, <laughs> he just didn't fancy it, which is a bit of a shame. Sort of understandable, really, because we did. I think we did sack him, didn't we? When he went with Nigel Pearson, so I, you know, I'm, I'm not taking that one personally. I did have quite a long correspondence with uh, with Keo's agent, Richard Keo's agent, and I thought I was onto one there, but he uh, he went cold on me as well. That's a shame. That'd have been uh, that'd have been a belter. But yeah, it's, it's it's incredibly satisfying when they come off, and the ones that don't come off just make you more determined, really. So we're going to keep on plugging away and uh, see if we can get some more in the can in the in the new year. But for for you chaps, worst derby player of the decade. So I guess 2011 to 2021. Do you have any immediate thoughts? It was
2: difficult going all the way back to 2011. I think I ended up only going back to about 2015 because my list was like long enough from that. But um, I, I'm going to start randomly. I, I don't think he played for us, but Fe Ambrose, bizarre bizarre signing, and never ever looked like getting anywhere near the first team. Anya, four million pounds. 27 grand a week. Waste of time. Kieran Dow. I mean, it's it's so technically so good, but for us, pretty shocking. Someone who might be a bit controversial and I'm expecting some kickback on this one, but my God, I used to hate watching Scott Malone play at left back. It's just awful. Like it doesn't look like a footballer. So
1: I think there'll be a few people that agree with you on that one. Though actually, I'm going to chuck in a couple. Uh, Leon Best. He's up there for me or down there. Omar Mascarell, Raul Ampantoza. I think he yeah. gets a mensch. Harsh on him because he came from a different country, but he was awful. And Conor Doyle, he wasn't great, was he?
2: No, it's pretty. I've got a couple of others just to add there. Ivan Calero, we signed him from Atletico Madrid. Uh, played twice and then went on loan to Burton and was released. Julian Desart, another shocking central midfield like buy, but I think there was a good good chant about him for, uh, that I think you put together at one stage, Chris. It wasn't necessarily about him, but uh, but he was certainly mentioned. And then another controversial one, Jesse Lingard. God, he makes my blood boil.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Tom has a really extreme dislike of Jesse Lingard. I know he's not the only person in the world to have that, but uh, I don't quite agree with that. I'm just looking back again at the... Look, remember, when we entered this decade, there was a lot of crap in that squad. Um, and you can, unfortunately, Martin Albrexon had just left. Uh, I think he left in 2009. But he would have been, he's the one that first came to mind if he just snuck into that decade, but he didn't. Saldini, I mean, that was a goalkeeper that should never have been at Derby County, if we're honest. Uh, Nigel Clough did have a sketchy record in those early days. Theo Robinson wasn't great. I mean, Theo Robinson had his moments, uh, but he wasn't uh, particularly fantastic and uh, was, a, was a bit of a mistake, in my opinion. Uh, disagree look I've, there's been as tom says there's been lots and lots of of poor signings uh particularly in that in that first half a decade as i'm sure you can read all about in the in the pride book um but there's been a, a lot of very a, a lot of very poor uh football players at this club in the last i think i think uh omar mascarra is a bit harsh chris uh on uh on omar yeah he, i think he was a decent player it just it was there a kind of long time and one of those players that suffered from the kind of comparison to george fawn syndrome that so many players did around that around that yeah
1: time. maybe he just got played out of position hasn't he since gone on to play in the champions league am i thinking of somebody else but yeah anyway I've, i guess it's proof that derby county can not just that we buy by players but that we can ruin good players so maybe it's not entirely their fault um got another clip for you now another person associated with the pod who uh, sent us a cheeky little message saying congratulations enjoy this chaps uh, it's Craig Bryson here just want to say well done to the Steve Boomer's washing podcast on reaching 100 episodes great stuff guys keep keep
2: it
0: going I do love Craig Bryson. so thanks very much for that one
1: how about that eh Bryceo uh, what, what a club legend
0: yeah absolutely and it was it, you know when he actually came on the pod as we mentioned before he gave us so much of his time and was so insightful, and I know that he's appeared in others uh, since then. But it was just so good to get his his take on you know a really interesting time from Derby from Nigel Clough right up until uh, Frank Lampard days. So you know
1: gr- great to hear from Craig Bryson, and uh, hopefully we can speak to him again soon. Another listener question uh, that we got here for the uh, for 100th episode was from Sean on Twitter: um, best away day we've ever done. There's a fair few contenders here, isn't there? We, so the context of this is that the three of us met in circa 2008, and I reckon between the three of us, or well, games we've done, the three of us together it must be about 30 or 40 aways, I think. Um, but anyway, I would say my first immediate thought was Brighton away in the playoffs in in 14. I just remember that even though both the goals were at the other end, it was just incredible scenes in in the away end, and like we I just remember like standing on a chair. And standing on the seat and, and singing for a good ten minutes after the final whistle went in that game, like the atmosphere was like absolutely incredible. It was just like the peak of that McLaren team, and I think everyone in that away end was convinced we were going to make the final at that point. Uh, any standouts for you boys?
0: Yeah, I mean that 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 Brighton one actually is a great shout, Chris. I actually, I actually forgot about that, but that was probably there's a picture of us isn't there on the beach uh in very windy conditions uh with my derby county flag uh that day and it was yeah fantastic performance and you just yeah, add in that the home leg of that playoff as well uh my my favorite away though and it is somewhere we had a lot less uh fortune recently but always enjoyed going there is is craven cottage uh and five two away in the league cup uh simon dawkins brace and four of those five goals were in front of us in, in front of the away end and there were some fantastic goals in that match and that was just kind of just that that kind of football just kind of summed up Steve McLaren and, and Derby County. Uh, a really really enjoyable game, and and, and as ever in a Craven Cottage, if you fill that end, then you can create a lot of noise and have a have a real good party.
1: I would never ever get tired of watching the Simon Dawkins goal in that game, uh, the Johnny Russell cross, the Dawkins flick finish. I could watch it all day on loop for hours. Um, I'm going to mention another one, which I reckon Tom is hoping that we won't, which was the trip to Bournemouth. In 2015, <laughs> I think it was. So long story short, it was a top of the table clash that ended ended 2-2. We got to Bournemouth. Um, I We got a car. We all drove down there from London. We got there a good hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. Went to a chippy, had some food. And then we're like, Tom, all right, where are we going? What's the directions? And Tom's like, oh, yeah, it's this way. Get in the car. Um, I'll, I'll take you there. Um, I've got the directions for, uh, for Bournemouth FC on my phone here. So we uh, we head over to Bournemouth FC, get out of the car, only to be greeted with a a park pitch for a what I assume was a non-league team called Bournemouth FC, and there being literally nobody there. And this was, what, about 10 minutes before kickoff, I think. <laughs> and the upshot was we had clearly gone to the wrong ground. I think we managed to hot foot in a taxi or leg it across, uh, across Bournemouth, chuck some money at the driver fell out the car, sprinted round Bournemouth Stadium. I remember very clearly sprinting in between the corner stand and the side stand when Bournemouth had lined up a free kick, which Jan Kermigan hit over the bar. And then about 30 seconds after we got on the away end, Bournemouth scored. <laughs> but that was a that was a classic, wasn't it? A classic of the Steve Bloomer's watching era, I think.
2: You brought me out in a bit of a cold sweat there, Chris, because... It- it's it's quite unlike me to get directions so horrifically wrong. Normally, I'm pretty good at that kind of thing, but uh, yeah, I did get those horrendously wrong, and it was quite an expensive night as I had to pay for two taxis across Bournemouth, which was a which is not not the cheapest thing at the at the time as well. Um, I'd like to add a couple more to that. Good Millwall five one away victory. That was a, a good day. I always love going to Craven Cottage, and although I wasn't there for the five two, I enjoyed uh, Mate Vidra's equaliser. Uh, just after half time, I think for Gary Bowyer, big win at Birmingham City in January of that that season when Vidra was like on fire, scored twice. I think uh, I generally thought Derby were on the move there and, and moving up from the playoffs into the automatic automatic places. We've had lots of good away days. I enjoyed Chelsea as well when we lost three two in the League Cup. I thought the atmosphere was great that day, and we we probably should have won. So lots of really good away days. Some horrific ones, as you mentioned there, catch Hull, and, and Villa earlier in the season. But yeah, I think birmingham city away just because it was a three nil brilliant day out on the and the beer and um and great atmosphere as well that would be my overall favorite um that we've all certainly been to
1: last clip uh one more uh one more person who very kindly sent us a, a message congratulating us on 100 podcasts um here it is Hi, boys, it's Owen at Rams TV. Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. Fantastic milestone. Keep up the good work, and hopefully, one day you'll get to record one celebrating promotion back to the Premier League. Cheers, guys.
0: Well, that is the that is the holy grail, isn't it, of uh, of recording this podcast, Chris? Uh, I think we can probably retire easy if we <laughs> if we ever actually finally get it out of this uh, division. Uh, it would be incredible to have the chance to do that. So, yeah, thanks to uh, thanks to Aaron Bradley for the message and for the support.
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, I have asked Sheikh Khaled to send us a message uh, about the podcast. He's going to get back to me in uh, forty eight <laughs> hours. He, he said to me. Um, and that was, uh, that was a month ago. I'm not sure what's happened there, really. Um, a few quick file questions now. Let, let's, let's do some of those. A few quick, quick file listener questions. Uh, ben Wright asked, which academy player did you want to succeed most, but didn't? Mine are, I've got two, Callum Ball and Miles Addison. Tom, far away.
0: Yeah, two good ones there. Uh, Lewin Nyatanga and Mark O'Brien were my two. Mark O'Brien was my one and I'd, I'd agree with Miles Addison. Uh, got, actually got to know M- Miles Addison and Mark O'Brien a little bit when I was at the club and they're both really good guys. Uh, but yeah, o- OB would be my choice.
1: Punjabi Rands have asked, um, completely off topic, fajitas or tacos? I would say tacos, I think. I just think they get more purchase off a taco. I think a fajita can quite easily fall apart in your hands. Do you know what I mean?
0: Tom Tom knows that I'm a big fajita fan. Regular cooker of fajitas, one of the few dishes I can do. So uh, I'm all in on fajitas. Uh, I love a fajita as well. Um, my question for you would be: if if they fall apart in your hands, Chris, are you a roller
2: like a cigar, or are you a pocket maker? Because if you're, it sounds like you're a roller like a cigar, and you're therefore a heathen.
1: I, I am a pocket maker, but I always get seepage at the bottom. I think the, the problem I have is I overfill. I make that classic mistake of overfilling. It's very easy to do. That's what she said. <laughs> do want <one> to fajitas. <laughs> Punjabi Rands also asked, do you queue for a half time pint or not? I'm gonna answer this on your behalf, because Tom, you absolutely ruddy love a half time pint, even if it means you have to leave ten minutes early and get there ten minutes late.
2: Oh, it's it's about the it's about the uh, quick time for the wee. Someone comes in and gets into the queue you then replace them and then someone else goes in for a wee and you're basically rotating the queue there and then you down a pint in about four minutes, have another wee and you're out there for the second half.
0: Perfect. Yeah, so I I never do because I just let Tom do the queue in. So it's a no from me.
1: (laughs) Uh, Last listener question from John Perkins. Uh, Can you convince me the takeover isn't fake? John, I can't, to be honest, because it's been going on that long. Look, it's it's really frustrating, isn't it? We should have had... An answer by now um was it like early november or well over about a month ago since the club put out that statement saying it had been ratified by the efl i get that it's a long process there was stuff about um abu dhabi national holidays there was stuff about efl appeals which i don't think is true i think it will still happen but i haven't got any evidence to prove it <laughs> can any of you offer any support to john on that one
0: no. No, I don't think we know much about the Bin Zayed group, enough about them yet. Let's wait and see. I've kind of I've kind of gone beyond at a point of frustration now. There was a period a few weeks ago where I was kind of like every day thinking about it and checking Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And I'm now kind of like, look, Rooney's the, the, on the pitch stuff seems to got a bit better. So when it happens, it happens. And ideally before January.
1: Well, there we go. Well, uh, we're going to round off the 100th episode of Steve at Bloomer's Washing with... A 100, uh, 100 club quiz special. You, kn- you knew it was coming, didn't you? Come on. This is us we're talking about. So I have put together five questions for Tom and Kutch in age old style, um, keeping it traditional. Five multiple choice questions. Whoever gets the most right wins nothing. But, but still, it could still be fun. So let's do it. (laughs) So the first, all five questions are based around number 100, roughly. So uh, I'll read out all five questions and then come back to you for an answer each and we'll compare and contrast. The first question is, which of these English league grounds is just over 100 miles from Pride Park, according to AA Route Planner? Is it A, Northampton Town? Is it B, Bristol City? Is it C, Oxford United? Or is it D, Ipswich Town? So which English league ground is 100 miles in Pride Park? Northampton Town, Bristol City, Oxford United, or Ipswich Town? Question two is this. Which of these players in the current derby squad doesn't have 100 derby appearances? So which of these four players doesn't have 100 derby appearances or more is it a Tom Lawrence is it b Craig Forsyth is it c Curtis Davis or d Martin Waghorn so which of these four players doesn't hasn't made 100 appearances for derby that's uh, a good one because I feel I feel like all of them should have Lawrence Fozzie Curtis or Waggers question three which of these derby county players scored over 100 goals for the club. So which of these three scored over 100 goals for Derby? Was it A, Marco Gabbiadini, B, Bobby Davison, or C, Dean Sturridge? So which of these three players scored 100 goals for Derby or more? Gabbiadini, Davison, or Sturridge? Question four is a good one. At what age was Wayne Rooney when he scored his 100th Premier League goal. So how old was Wayne Rooney when he scored his 100th Premier League goal? Was he A-21, B-24 or C-26? That is a tricky one. And the final question is, these four players all made more than 100 Premier League appearances for Derby, but which one has the most? Is it A, Dalryl Powell, B, Mark Poom, C, Jakob Lawson, or D, Dean Sturridge. Have you all got an answer? Have you both of you got an answer for all five questions?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you any more thinking time, Kutch? You good to go?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm good to go.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. All right. Question one. Which of these league grounds is just over 100 miles in Pride Park? Is it Northampton Town, Bristol City, Oxford United or Ipswich? Kutch, what did you put? Oh, wait. Oxford. Tom
2: uh, I've out Northampton quickly I thought Oxford was too close so it was between Bristol City or Ipswich and I went Ipswich
1: the correct answer is Oxford United 1-0 to Kutch come on come on the boys Northampton town is 60 miles away Bristol City is 144 miles away Oxford United is 104 miles from Pride Park apparently and Ipswich town is 158 miles from Pride Park you learn something every day 1-0 Kutch question 2 Which of these players does not have 100 Derby appearances? Tom Lawrence, Craig Forsyth, Curtis Davis or Martin Waghorn? Tom, what do you put?
2: This is a great question, Chris, because I expect all of them to have it. Um, I debated between Davis and Waghorn and
0: then I've settled on Davis. Yeah, I was debating between Davis and Lawrence and
1: I settled on Curtis Davis as well. Correct answer is D, Martin Waghorn.
2: That was my initial thought as well. Tom Lawrence
1: has, according to my quick Googling, about 119 appearances. Fozzie has played about a million times for Derby, I think. Um, Curtis Davis hit 100 in November. Um, But according to a couple of sources I checked, Waggy only has 92 appearances for Derby. So there you go.
0: I'm surprised that Tom didn't massively Tom didn't massively underestimate Martin Wacom's contribution to Derby after he insulted talking in that pod
1: (laughs) yeah I thought he might have overcompensated but he didn't Um, (laughs) I I really hope that's not wrong but I'm going to assume it's right
2: It was great chatting to him as well
1: (laughs) question three which of these Derby players scored over 100 goals for the club Marky Gabidini Bobby Davidson or Dean Sturridge Kutch
0: yeah this is a tough one Um, Dean Sturridge definitely didn't score 100 goals for Derby Um, I went Bobby Davidson yeah i also went davidson as well but i'm just wondering whether for interest i might go gabby Adini, but um no that's not how that's not how it works you don't you can't change it now mate <laughs>
2: fine i'll go da- davidson then
1: well if you had to change it you would have been wrong because it was bobby davidson uh oh, so D-
0: saved you that's <laughs> on saved you <laughs> gabby D- D- was 68.
1: Well. bobby davidson 106 dean sturridge 59 so that's two one cutch after three questions Question four, what age was Wayne Rooney when he scored his 100th Premier League goal? 21, 24 or 26? Tom? 24. Yeah, I
0: almost put 21. Because he did join Rooney. At, he did join United at 18, but I thought he couldn't have scored a hundred in three seasons. So uh, 24.
1: Correct answer is 24. Well done both of you. Uh, 31st of January, 2010, he scored his 100th Premier League goal and a 3-1 win over Arsenal. Uh, question five, so that's 3-2. Kutch with a question to go these four players all made more than 100 Premier League appearances for Derby but which one made the most Dower Powell Mark Poom Jakob Larsson or Dean Sturridge Kutch what are you saying
0: pretty sure Derby's record Premier League appearance maker is Oh, I've almost changed my mind last minute no I'm going to stick with it Jakob Larsson K- Kutch is right I believe I think it's 156 appearances
2: but I'd, be, <clears throat> I'd stand corrected Jakob Larsson
1: the correct answer is Daryl Powell. Oh, oh outrageous. <laughs> Daryl Powell made an incredible 170 Friendly appearances for Derby County in the Premier League, which was in the interview that I did with him, but it was ages ago, so I'll let you off. Uh, Jacob 137, Mark Pym, 133, Dean Sturridge, 128. So Kutch Nixit, it 3 2 on the buzzer. Incredible scenes for you, my man.
0: Well, it's still a very good record this season for me. Big turnaround. And uh, basically, I, I beat Tom on jo- on geography because we were neck and neck apart from that Oxford United question. So, uh, I can guarantee yeah, Tom jo- is
1: absolutely uh, kicking himself with that. With, Tom uh, is
0: a history teacher, to be fair. So he is very anti-geography. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that.
1: <laughs> right then. Well, look, we're going to wrap it up there. But a couple of things to mention before we, before we finish. Um, big shout out to Curtis Davis. We've got to give him some credit um, really bad news for him and he's been such a great servant to the club in, in the three four seasons he's been here stretched it off against was it Stoke I think it was Stoke Stoke or Swansea but anyway a serious Achilles injury and he's uh, out for the season he posted himself in a very powerful and uh, honest blog post um Kirch, he's been a been a, been a fantastic uh, model professional for Derby County is the best thing we can say about him really and we do hope that he is involved in the club in some way in the future further down the line.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a better model professional in, in the championship uh, or in the modern game from the last 20 years. I think he's, uh, yeah, he just seems like an extremely nice guy. Of course, Chris, you had the pleasure to meet him few years back uh, to interview him for the pods I think the first current play- player to come onto the podcast and yeah he's always made he's always been the person that various managers have turned to when we need shoring up the defence and as we mentioned recently uh, almost doing him a disservice uh, because he should sometimes you think he should never be out of the team in the first place I, I think my main abiding memory of Curtis Davis was under Gary Rowett in the first leg of the Fulham uh, playoff semi-final at Pride Park and having Mitrovic completely in his back pocket for that whole game I think it was Cameron Jerome that scored that day. And uh, yeah, model professional, all the best with his recovery. And if, if his posts, blog posts, anything to go by, then no, not lacking still in determination to make a comeback.
1: Absolutely. Tom, I want a quick answer from you on this one. Um, Sheffield United have one point after, um, what is it, 13, 14 games in the Premier League? Will it happen?
2: I'm going to say no, Chris, because as we've been recording, they've actually picked up their second point, and former Van Jaden Bogle scored today. They uh, drew. Joking, oh, really? wow. <laughs> yeah, they drew one all against against Brighton, just finished about ten minutes ago, uh, and Jaden Bogle scored, and, and Danny Welbeck equalized in the 88th minute. So, um, so yeah, well done to Jaden Bogle. My answer is no. They're going to get more than 11 points in us. They they don't concede as many goals, and they're not getting hammered. They're losing by the odd goal each time. Uh, and now they've got their second point. So,
1: Did we have any sort of score on your debut million pound uh, down payment agreement with Sheffield United for Bogle? Or was- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't think so. Kind of
2: kind of quirky Derby County thing that we'd put in there, uh, similar to our 32 red star player contract thing. Yeah, score on your debut, that's an extra million pound. Thanks very much.
1: That'd be good, wouldn't it? Kutch, I know that we've mentioned our star player million pound contract there, but you noticed... And wanted to flag up something else that's um, that's made the headlines with Wayne Rooney recently.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Just before we came on uh, onto the record the podcast, it was announced from the NSPCC um, and Childline that Wayne Rooney has, has made a seventy five thousand pound donation to NSPCC uh, purely to keep uh, Childline open on Christmas Day. Uh, I think he's donated four hundred twenty five thousand pound via his foundation over the years. Uh, I think since two thousand and fifteen. So just a really nice move from Wayne Rooney. Uh, we all know. Uh, we've all seen the statistics about uh, kind of domestic abuse uh, going up uh, during lockdown, and of course, Christmas can be a very, very tough time for for lots of families, and particularly will be this year. So it's fantastic to see that that kind of contribution from Wayne Rooney to uh, something that w- will provide a lot of support and comfort to families all around the UK this, uh, this Christmas.
1: Well done, matter. We uh, we applaud that uh, your generosity in that sense. Well, we're going to leave it there on that positive note. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. It really has. It's been fantastic talking to everyone. We are going to try and do more things on this part. We're going to try and keep it going. We're going to try and innovate, keep it fresh, keep it relevant. And well, here's the next 100, Kirch.
0: Yeah, cheers, Chris. Great job. Uh, Thanks so much for getting us off the ground and uh, keeping us going 100 episodes later.
1: Tom, can we still come to your house to record when uh, social distancing is allowed again?
2: Uh, Yeah, I've got some lovely bifold doors in the new house. I've actually made it, so plenty of ventilation will be happening uh, in the dining room table where I'm currently sat. So yeah, of course, I look forward to that. And um, to all our listeners, Merry Christmas and make sure you're looking after those people who uh, you know who need it the most. It's going to be a tough one, but we've got to stay positive. um, And let's hopefully... Darby County can keep us smiling on, uh, smiling on the pitch.
1: Cheers, boys, and uh, yeah, like I-, I can only echo that really. Merry Christmas to every single one of you, and we're going to squeeze. We're going to try and squeeze in one more pod before the end of this uh, of this year. But until then, thank you very much. Speak to you soon.